a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, but she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said to herself, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talisa kum, which means little girl. Get up. And immediately, the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'm guessing you've heard these stories before. 
This morning, I want to point out a few aspects of the stories and make just a few comments and, and a few observations. And then I'd actually like to allow time for you in small groups or individually to reflect on some questions that I'll show you. So the stories. First, we encounter Jairus, who's a distraught father, and he comes to Jesus frantic because his daughter is on the verge of death. And next, a desperate woman who's been bleeding for 10 years comes crawling through a crowd to get to Jesus. Now, Jesus actually gets to the daughter too late. By the time he gets to her bedside, she's dead. But when he touches her hand, she is miraculously restored to life. And the bleeding woman, what happened to her? The minute she touches the hem of Jesus' cloak, she's instantly healed. Both are such miraculous, dramatic, physical healings. And they seem so simple. But we all know it really isn't this way. Even our most earnest pleas and our prayers don't always produce the dramatic results that we hope for. And even when we're considering less dramatic circumstances, like a child who's dead or a woman who's been bleeding for more than a decade, even when the circumstances are less dramatic, we don't always get what we pray and hope for. It's, it's reality. And it's a reality that all of us have lived through over and over and over in the course of our lives. Now, one aspect of the story the stories that you might not have noticed, although I think Elizabeth did a great job of emphasizing it, but I want to point out the way that the girl and the woman are healed. Did you, do, did you notice? Do you remember? The girl is brought back to life when Jesus touches her hand, and the woman stops hemorrhaging when she touches the hem of Jesus' cloak. So if we consider that both of them were healed by touch, both of them were really healed by connection and human relationship. And if we look deeper at the story of the woman for a moment, the reality of her bleeding for more than a decade, it meant that she lived in shame, isolation, and social alienation. She was a social outcast, and just the act of coming out in public for her was bold, and it was dangerous. Yes, her healing was dramatic and physical, and it was really more. By being healed of her illness, she, would heal, she was healed of her social isolation and her status of being an outcast. Her healing meant that she was again able to enter into relationships with others. So this aspect of her healing demonstrates that it's not just physical healing, but healing can come in many forms. It may mean coming to peace with really difficult circumstances. It could mean reaching out to heal a wounded relationship with a family member. It could mean overcoming a fear that has stopped you from living more fully or joyfully. There are many ways of healing. 
So I've provided just a brief reflection on what I see in these stories. Now, I'd like you to take time to share a little of your own experience or your own thoughts on healing. And I've provided some questions up here, and I don't expect you to discuss them all. Pick one, and I would say get in groups of two or three. And if you really just want to reflect on your own, that's great too. So, the questions... I invite you to reflect on, one of them is, what does healing look like to you? Or what role, if any, has prayer played in healing in your life? Or have any of your healing experiences involved connection or relationships? And the other one is just discuss or share another topic that these stories bring to mind for you. So when you're ready, just find a person or two, and I'll give you 10 minutes, and I'll give you a two-minute warning.
several discussions on Twitter of all places um, with people doing that exact same thing. And my response to them was the Bible is not a account of every single healing or partial healing in the history of the universe. It's a best of. It's examples of the extreme end of everything. I've been suffering with a headache for seven and a half, eight years now. I've had pastors try to heal me before with groups of people. It hasn't worked. Does that mean I'm not faithful enough? I'd like to think not. Thanks. Lynn? Lynn, right behind you, Steve. unexpected way, I can relate totally to the questions that you have asked, even though the words in the Bible passage sound black and white and, um, you know, kind of beyond credibility. In, in the course of thinking about the process of 
my lifetime where I'm looking at learning that I was going to lose my husband Gary to a disease called Parkinson's disease um, and finding that so incredible. He was 51, for heaven's sake, and he would look to me to be in the prime of life. And I, I just didn't accept it and thought, I'm going to take such good care of him that this doesn't turn into anything. I, I had some real denial at work. And there, there is a way now, looking back, we were so surrounded by loving, caring friends. I, I don't know anybody as wealthy as I am in terms of involved and loving people in my life. Uh, our kids, our siblings, our, our church friends that we've had for 50 plus years. I mean, it, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at many of you in this room who put in hours and hours and hours of loving time. Jeff Mills, you came over to my house every Tuesday for decades and, and brought lunch for Gary and spent loving time playing Scrabble and board games and <coughs> remembering high school experiences. Marilyn and Wally Prespo, you were right there and investing in us. And, and Gary and I really did come to know that it wasn't a physical healing from the Parkinson's at all. But I know that I'm here today feeling like I have survived and I can go right on loving my kids and my grandkids and appreciating having a congregation like this one to renew myself in every week. That was a healing that I can't deny, even though it wasn't a black and white um, disappearance of any symptoms of a disease. But it sure did help us focus on the positive things that we could celebrate and should celebrate and the love that we experienced. So I, we have a talk back session today. And for those of you who want to continue with this topic, I encourage you to stay. I just want to address the black and whiteness of this and this being used as sort of a weapon. So Steve mentioned that the Bible or the gospel stories are best ofs. And I want to remind us, for those of us who are more progressive and liberal in our approach to the Bible, I and others believe and are firm in our conviction that these were not journalistic accounts. That each of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were all writing for a specific audience at a specific time, and they had a spe specific, I would say, agenda. And, and even if, as I don't believe that this sto these stories are fact, I believe that there is truth in them. And the truth that I may get is different than the truth that you or we may collectively get. And the audience that Mark was writing for and the agenda he had 
also affected the way that people heard these. So, for example, I mean, one truth in this may be that healing comes in ways other than physical. The bleeding woman was no longer socially isolated. To Mark's audience, one of the truths probably was that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus was bringing about the reign of God. That was one of Mark's big agendas, was that the reign of God is here and it's at hand. So we could actually look at what does this say about the reign of God. We could, we could look at that. So those are just a few of the things that I want to lift up in response to what you guys have shared. And if you want to continue this discussion, please, around 10 of 11, we'll have a chance to talk more about it. So I just want to um, close by saying that healing sometimes does come to us dramatically. And it may seem miraculous. For seven or eight years, you've had a headache. That's not always true. Not always true. And usually, it isn't true. And if you can find healing in places where you're maybe looking for dramatic healing, you may not find it. And if you are able to get beneath it, you might, might find some healing in subtle ways. And Lynn shared, shared some of that. So my hope is that God opens our eyes, our minds, and our hearts to all of the ways that healing occurs in its actual limitless shapes and forms. Amen.